best of the best in the undergrad literature program at Jasper. Now, on the first night of the semester, they waited anxiously for their professor to emerge on the screen. The class was Lit 424, Unraveling a Literary Mystery. It had been offered at night because this was the only viable time, the only hour when the warden would allow the murderer free to teach. He would teach, if you believed the rumors, from a padded cell. Others said he would be in front of a green screen with special effects to replicate a lectern before him, an illusion of a classroom. The rest claimed he would simply be shackled to his chair in an orange jumpsuit because state law prohibited anything else. They had to remember what this man had done, these people said. They had to remember who he was. The room was warm with the closeness of bodies. The chalkboard seemed to glisten, even though the Vermont night outside was bitterly cold. The quads were mostly silent, save for the protesters who stood the stipulated two hundred yards from Culver Hall, where the night class would be held. The class met in the basement of Culver for this reason. The powers that be at Jasper did not want the protesters to be able to see what was happening on that TV screen. The few students who were out at that cold hour witnessed the nervous candlelight of the protest vigil from a distance, through the cops of beech and oak that dotted the woodsy campus. A light snow fell, flakes rushing upward in the January wind like motes of dust. Not far away, Lake Champlain purred in the wind. It was as if, one freshman said, as he looked down at the scene from a high dormitory window, someone were about to be executed. Just beyond the protesters, in a building that was dark save for a few bottom-floor lights, a pair of state policemen sat in a room the size of a broom closet, drinking coffee and watching their own blank feed on a tiny screen. Unraveling a Literary Mystery This, too, had been contested. The president of the college chose the title because it sounded to him fitting for what the professor had in mind, but in fact the president did not know exactly what the class would entail. He could not know. The murderer had only hinted at a literary game his students would play in the class. About his syllabus, he had spoken to no one. It was this inability to even guess at what was about to happen that silenced the classroom now. In the weeks before the semester had begun, when they went home to their families on Christmas break, the students who had registered for Lit 424 had time to think, to weigh their decision to take this strange course. They wondered if something could go wrong in that lecture hall, if their professor could somehow... It sounded crazy, yes. Most of them did not say it aloud, or if they did, they spoke only to their roommates or their closest friends. Slight whispers, torn away by the wind, carried off into nothingness. If he could somehow get out. This was what they were thinking in those final seconds. Some of them talked about their other classes that semester, flipped through textbooks and highlighted paragraphs and trembling arcs of yellow, but mostly they sat, saying nothing. They stared at the dead television screen. They wondered, and they waited. Finally, the television went to a deeper black, and everyone sat up straight. Then the box began to hum, an electrical nodish ooing a kind of flat line that moved left to right across the room. Their professor, the MacArthur-winning genius, once a shining star at nearby Dumont University 
and the closest thing to celebrity a professor of literature could possibly be, the same man who had viciously murdered two graduate students twelve years before, was ready to appear. Then the blackness dissolved, and the noise died away, and the professor's face came to them on the screen. They had seen pictures of him, many of them preserved in yellowed newsprint. There were images of the man in a dark suit at his trial, or with his wrists shackled and smiling wolfishly moments after the verdict, or with his hair swept back wearing a tweed jacket and a bow tie, his faculty photograph at Dumont in 1980. Those photographs did not prepare the students for the man on the screen. This man's face was harder, its lines deeper. He was, in fact, wearing a simple orange jumpsuit, the number that identified him barely hidden beneath the bottom edge of the screen. The V of his collar dipped low enough to reveal the...